0: What is going on everybody welcome back to the brothers fantasy football podcast a podcast by two brothers from that same mother giving you their fantasy takes hits and analysis and anything else that crosses their mind it's your boy derek as usual the younger bro and as always i'm here with the big bro his name is daryl daryl my man we are a week away from action how are you feeling today
1: yeah, this is, this is the home stretch, you know, it's, it's draft season, it's roster cut down season. It's like everything is just, everything is just spinning, man. And like, it's not going to stop until when, like uh, around new year's day, maybe the week after. So, so yeah, the long haul has started, man.
0: I'm expecting accept- yeah. Yes, sir. And I mean, it's going even longer than that when you include playoffs and stuff, but yeah, from, from draft perspective or redraft league perspective. Yeah. Got a good four or five months ahead of us here, my man. Yeah, yeah. And I,
1: I can't wait. Now I'll see how I'm feeling in week eight when we gotta be pumping out these pods and <laughs> whatnot. But, but you know, I imagine I imagine it's all gonna be gravy. I got enough rooting interests and all that stuff to to sustain me. But yeah, man, uh we wanted it and now it's here.
0: <laughs> Absolutely today's pod we will have some dbf the brothers faves and fades we're gonna go over players that we're basically loving and players that we're basically hating and all of this is really in perspective with adp because as we know any player is worth drafting but at at what cost um Daryl, on your end, did you have any other notes that you had when you selected your faves and faves for this episode?
1: Um, no, you know it was it was a little it was a little tough to come up with some of them, um, just because mm-hmm. you know I think these prices are starting to get a whole lot more efficient and and whatnot. So it's probably a good eighty percent price, twenty percent player takes um, right. for me, like mi- mixed into here. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of the gig. Right. You know, we got to at, at some point, we got to make a call on these guys and just being like, no, I will not pay that. Price. <laughs> or Yes, I, I'm fully on board with this guy at a fourth round uh, t- type of thing. So, you know, we're in that rubber meets the road kind of part. And I guess, you know, it's supposed
0: to be hard or else we just be winning chips every year. Absolutely. So it's going to be probably a lot of reference to the Ian Hardest quote, you know, don't don't hate the player, hate the ADP. Um, at least that's going to be a reference. I'll probably say a couple times here or there. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, when it comes to these faves and fades, we've selected two running backs, two wide receivers, a quarterback and a tight end for each side of that. And we're going to go ahead and start with the good, the good being our faves. So, Daryl, I'm going to turn it over to you. Start off with a running back on your fave side.
1: All right. So, my first running back I'm going to go with, I'll go with Damian Pierce, right? Um, uh, as far as best ball mania goes, he's coming off the board as a running back 19 and overall pick number 60, right? And the reason, the reason why I like him is really like you're kind of buying him on – a, a little bit of faith, you know. You you you're buying like the potential there, because and and I don't think it's like that big of an investment, because if you look at like the stories that that have been going on with him, you know, through the off season and the preseason, you know, they brought in Devin Singletary. I personally don't view him as that big a competition for for Damian Pierce as a runner for for sure. You know, Damian Damian Pierce. Is in that, you know, him and that Isaiah Pacheco school of, you know, we are mad at the ground and we are mad at everybody who's in our way, just that hard, <laughs> hard running. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think Singletary will compete with them there. And Singletary has not been much in the way of an efficient player in the passing game. And there's been talk of Damien getting more work in the passing game. And when you look at the way stuff has played out in the preseason, Devin Singletary has profiled more as, you know, somebody to come in and give Damian a breather. So, you know, if Damian is going to get that, you know, the the juicy rushing carries, um, the, the, the juicy rushing work, and then, you know, it's our home team, but we got to keep it a buck. We're not expecting the Texans to be all that great this year. They should find themselves in passing scripts a decent bit. And if Damian's eating, you know, a chunk of that, you know the prospect of him getting there at paying, you know, the overall 60th pick off the board, so like late fifth round, early sixth round price. That's you know that that's something I I, I want to invest in. I w- I will eagerly, in invest in that because if this hits right, he could he has RB one potential. Um, you know, well top top twelve potential, not RB one overall potential. So, you know, at this price, I really really do. Um, like, like investing in him because I don't think it's all that wild. It would be all that wild a scenario to see him, you know, greatly beat this ADP. So yeah, Damian Pierce, that's my first fave uh, at running back.
0: I got you. And to me, uh, I have, I mostly agree with you. I think it's going to be dependent upon that involvement on the passing game because again that was an element he was not really involved in a whole lot um last season so yeah this more so of Devin Singletary just spelling to rest Pierce if you will yeah I, I totally agree but even if even if for some reason like Devin Singletary just somehow settles into a strictly passing role and Damian doesn't get that usual work I think he could still finish at this ADP he's at so I do like the call regardless yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a, a good built-in
1: floor that he has.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and and so on my end, a running back I went with is Cam Acres, um, somewhat similar to uh, what you mentioned there. He's ADP. I uh, have running back twenty-two, sixty-one overall. So he's into the fifth, early sixth round. We talked about what he did last season in a division pod. It was such a weird season for him, but. Those last six weeks, he was RB4, and again, he has six touchdowns during that time, tied for Austin Eckler. And repeating myself again, if you're doing things that are similar or greater than Austin Eckler, you're probably doing good things fantasy-wise. Um, he had the most rushing yards during that time with 512 yards, and then the PPR finishes during that time, 8, 25, 20, 1, 14, and 11. And the quarterbacks during that time were probably Baker Mayfield and Wolford and, you know, one of your best friends. Yeah. So he's doing this with, you know, not great quarterback play. Um, the wide receiver play wasn't anything special then, too. And then when you look at it, the the running backs that are going to be in that backfield with them, you got Kyron Williams, Ronnie Rivers, Zach Evans, Royce Freeman and it's possible one of these guys may have been cut. Um, I hadn't checked before the pod and I should have, but yeah, those guys to me aren't threatening Cam Akers from getting opportunities. And so when you're getting a guy like this, that averaged around 19 touches his last six weeks at running back 22 at the end of the fifth or early sixth round, to me, it seems like a no brainer to draft him. And I especially like like him, if you're one of those back end picks like nine through 12 in the 12 team league and you start off with three wide receivers and a quarterback or three wide receivers and a tight end and go RB one acres like I kind of like that stability in your lineup in a running back position. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm with you there on acres and I think he and he and, he and um, Damian Pierce like kind of fit a similar mold as far as roster construction where. You know, mm-hmm. they could be kind of your your zero RB first first running backs that you take if you decide to go ahead and load up on receivers or some of the onesie positions, some of the premium onesie positions. You know, these are guys that I would feel good kind of um kind of speculating on as being as being my RB one that could help me make up some ground on the people that, you know, took a Pollard and Eckler or CMC and, and whatnot, and hopefully they're not beating you so bad at the at the
0: RB position for sure for sure uh give us your next running back
1: all right my next running back is james dalvin cook um he's currently coming off the board as the rb 23 and the overall 73rd pick so end of the sixth top of the seventh round and so he's a little bit more of a speculation case i think um and because he's sharing, you know, Damian Harris came back and played in the third preseason game. And you know, I can't I can't sit here and discount who and what Damian Harris is. Like Damian Harris is a very good running back. You know, he's a he, he's an efficient um he's an efficient runner. He's not much in the way of of a passing game. So, you know, I believe with the injury to Naheem Hines, that part of that part of the running back workload is going to fall more to James Cook. And as we know, Buffalo is a team that loves to pass the ball. They're, they're, they're relatively pass heavy offense. So I think James Cook is going to, is going to eat up all of that work. And you're kind of, you're kind of betting on the fact that, Hey, maybe he will, maybe he will siphon off a little bit of the short down and distance or a little bit of the of the um of the goal to go offense and you know the the upper red zone offense as well you know it's a little it, it's a little bit more of a speculation play than than say like uh, my pick of damian pierce but it's a it's a it's a late sixth early seventh gamble so you know right as, as we as we keep hitting on at that price I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take that gamble. And I absolutely love if I'm able to come away with him as my RB two, because if he's able, if he's able to beat this ADP, then like that could really set, that could really send your roster, your roster to the moon. And, you know, you roll also into the fact that the dude is explosive, you know, he's not just, he's not just like a dump off, um, passing game, running back, you know, he's a, he could get out there and run you a a wheel route, get out there, run you a Texas route and, and actually, you know, give you some explosive plays. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that I'd be, I'm I'm really excited when I'm able to snatch him up as, as as my RB two, sometimes as my, as my RB one in a zero RB build. And, you know, that I, that I make sure I kind of hammer running backs and kind of the subsequent Rounds and whatnot, but um I gen I gen- generally like come away feeling like I got I got a good value and I got some good prospects with this dude on my team. So like he's a he's a he he's been a favorite of mine for for those reasons.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the experts and pundits are kind of all in on James Cook as well, and he kind of has that archetype where you know the pass catching, the running there as well running as well, like he could be one of those guys that, you know, people, you know, take a anchor RB and then, you know, slot him in as a RB two later on in the, I think you said seventh or eighth round. So yeah, I like his prospects as well this season. Um, I'm interested in getting him getting him on a couple of my rosters and the running back for me, my second running back is Antonio Gibson. I feel like I've talked about this man all off season. I, I for sure talked about him on, on the best ball segment. But again, JD McKissick is gone. And that's really big from the passing standpoint. He only played eight games last season, but JD McKissick saw 40 targets. So that's five additional opportunities that could be out there a game between Gibson and um and Brian Robinson. So that that's kind of major in my eyes. Um at least with the preseason, it's been kind of a 50-50 split between the two guys. Brian Robertson has been the quote-unquote starter, but both have mixed in and both have seen targets while they're out there. And of course, even Antonio Gibson scored a passing touchdown um, from Sam Howell in the game last week. You're getting him at ADP, um, running back 35, 107 overall in the ninth round. I truly think at running back 35 like that's his absolute floor like it's hard for me to see if he's healthy like how he doesn't see like you know 60 70 up to 80 targets and turn that into production where he's not at least a rb3 at the worst and i think he has a ceiling where you know things go right some touchdowns here and there he could be an upper tier rb2
1: yeah, yeah, I'm am fully on on board with that. And one thing I forgot to mention about James Cook and this kind of this ties directly in with Antonio Gibson. You know, in a in a in a full PPR, like these guys the, these guys are gold at these at, at, at these prices. You know, absolutely. They, they get a little bit dinged in a half PPR, but in, in full PPR, yeah, these guys could definitely definitely be the types that set your team off.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's keep it going. Let's look at some wide receivers. I'll turn it back to you. What you got for me?
1: Um, Sure. You know, the, the fantasy literati favorite um, Deontay Johnson. I'm I've been loving getting my hands on him during, during this draft season, both redraft and best ball. He's currently going 53rd overall and the wide receiver 27. So, He's going like as an upper tier wide receiver three. And I just think that is, that's such a beatable number for him. You know, the way, the way this man earns targets, it gets talked about ad nauseum about his rotten touchdown luck. Um, And that's a, that's just the kind of thing, you know, people throw the word regression in there, but I mean, to have scored zero touchdowns on, uh, I think he was in the one one thirties, one forties for targets last year. Like that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Like that's going to, that's going to revert back to the mean. He, he may go over the mean. He may go right back to the mean. He may just finish a little bit below the mean, but there's no way if he's able to earn targets at that rate that he's going to finish with zero touchdowns. If he had scored more touchdowns that, you know, if he had scored like half the touchdowns that he was slotted to score last year, this man would have easily qualified as as a wide receiver too. So, you know, to to have him going outside of wide receiver two range, I am I'm I'm, I'm loving I'm loving stashing him up, getting him you know as my wide receiver three on my teams. Like I always leave feeling solid about about my wide receiver room when that's the case. And so, yeah, man, I'm at at this price, I'm all aboard Team Deontay for 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 this year
0: and hate to be an agree monger over here but i fully agree with you um, it was 147 targets i just took a look at it that he uh, received last year and i want to kind of put a bookmark on it with deontay johnson because later on i got a staff of your ass word to jasmine o Watkins of the nba community that i'm going to share with you as it pertains to deontay and another guy that we may talk about we call that a little bit of foreshadowing or whatever we want to call it. Yeah, let's Um, go. Let's go. Build in the suspense. Let's switch it to me. We'll go to wide receiver. Let's talk about my man, Jahan Dotson. Um, We talked about him. Well, we talked about all these players in the division pod, but in particular, you wanted me to kind of make a case for him as you were kind of iffy on him then. And I made a little case, but well, I made a case, but I've also kind of looked at more Jahan Dawson tape, his stats, this preseason, and I'm all in. Um, with him at ADP 36, the 89th player overall, and that's the 36th wide receiver. So that makes him around the eighth round pick. Mapping out his season just one more time. First four weeks, he was a wide receiver 27. A lot of that was back with the four touchdowns, which tied with Stefan Diggs. Darryl, this man had a 12% target share the first four weeks. 12. That's not great. That's not great. But we continue. Uh, Week five through nine, slow, well, out with the hammy. He was slowly worked back weeks 10 through 12. But then 13 through 18 is where the difference is. He was wide receiver 21, had three touchdowns during that time, had a 17-game pace of 116 targets. And that and his yardage pace of sixty well sixty eight yards per game would have put him at eleven hundred um, yards for the season. And this is somebody that ADP wise you're looking at wide receiver thirty six. I'm all in on that. Just some of the guys that finished around sixty eight yards per game on the overall season. Right, his own teammate Terry McLaurin has seventy yards per game. Chris Olave, everybody loves sixty nine. Nice. Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Mike Will were actually at 68 yards, and then Tyler Lockett was at 64 yards. Jahan Dawson is going round to rounds later than these guys, and yet when he's been on the field, he's shown production that is very similar to these guys. And then one last stat, his yards per route run during that time was 234 and guys that were 0.15 yards per route run within him Jalen Waddle, Jay Jettis, Alave, again, his teammate Terry McLaurin, CD Lamb, Amin Ra. This guy was doing all the elite stats that all these other guys were doing, and you're getting him again in the eighth round. I'm all in. I have this man as two keepers on two of my teams already, and I'm excited to see what he does.
1: Yeah, I I feel that. And um, it was, you know, it was you talking about him to me and um, you sent me one of his highlight reels and nothing about nothing about that highlight reel looked fluky to me like this. This man was just he was just out there doing work. You know, it wasn't it wasn't some coverage bust or stuff like that. Like he was just whooping people's ass. And, you know, that's that's something that uh, I feel like that's something that's sticky from from year to year. So. So, yeah, you, the the case you've made for him, I have been uh, I have been convinced to 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 draft him, especially, you know, especially getting my best ball shares up uh, on, on him.
0: For sure. Whooping ass is always sticky. Give me your other wide receiver out here.
1: Sure, for me and you know me, this will come as no surprise. It's the man Christian Watson. Um, he is the wide receiver twenty-one off the board, and he's overall pick number forty um, off the board. So you know you get you're, you're having to spend like a um, mid fourth round um, pick on him. So you know a bit a, a bit pricey, but you know the case for him has been made. If you're somebody who's into peripheral stats and, you know, yards per route run, targets per route run, um, things like that, like this dude is is elite. And he did this in limited action in his first year in the league. You know, there are holes to poke in his case. You know, he did that with Aaron Rodgers. Now he's going to be playing with, um, you know, what can... Fairly be called an unproven commodity in, in Jordan love. But, you know, as we do with all these things, we presume health and and, and whatnot with him, you know, he's going to get a full, you know, presuming a full season out of him, you know, there's not, there's not some over, some, some overwhelming target monster that's on the team. He was the target monster last year when he was, when, when he was on the field, he is, an uber athlete, like he has he 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 has all the peripherals that you want from for from a first year player and you know that whole thing about second year wide receivers breaking out you know he is like the prime case for that minus you know a proven commodity at quarterback so if 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 somebody wants to be a little bit skittish about investing in him at that price, like I get it, I get it. Like that's a fair pushback, and you know I won't too much argue with with you about it. But for me, from from what I saw last year, just like on the field, and for what I said, uh, for from what I saw with uh, w- with his efficiency numbers, that's something that I want to be on the leading on the leading edge of. Because like if we spin it forward to next year. And you say, like, can I see him going where Devontae, Olave, Waddle, and all those guys are going this year? My answer is a definite yes. Like, that is not something that's outside the realm of possibility. Could he push up to where um to where uh Devante and you know, maybe, maybe Diggs and Garrett Wilson and those guys are going this year? Yeah, that's within the realm of possibility to me. So I'd, I'd like to get ahead of that and invest in him in the fourth round this year. And especially in a scenario where I've already coupled him with somebody who I feel like is more or less a mainstay, like a can't miss, like basically any of the wide receivers that go in the first round. And I get him on my team as my wide receiver too. Like I I really love that that type of wide receiver build on my teams. And then, you know, maybe even come back and sandwich him in with a Deontay, like I feel like that's the type of setup that could just really, really make my roster extremely explosive, well, at least from the from the receiver prospect. So yeah, Christian Watson is my is is my second wide receiver fave.
0: for sure. Quick question: Give me your ceiling and your floor for him this season. Ceiling, um, ceiling. I could see him.
1: So who goes so okay. My realistic ceiling, I don't think he's messing with Jettis, Chase, Reek, and Cup. Okay. That next tier though, that next tier, though, the, the 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 AJ Brown, Steph Diggs, Amon Ra, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, Adams, like that tier, I could see him busting into that tier. The, this okay. year, like that's that that's the ceiling case for me, and his his floor case, I think comes if that offense kind of collapses and um, you know they they just can't figure out how to move the ball so that he ends up down like you know where we imagine like Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, those type guys going going this year. So I, I think he has a wide range of outcomes and whatnot. That's why. That's why I'm not willing to like invest in him as like, you know, go running back, running back and then invest in him as my wide receiver one, like in the third or fourth round. But um, but but yeah, like as my as my wide receiver two, like I said, sandwiched in with with one of those, you know, kind of steady Eddie type guys as my wide receiver three. I'm all aboard with that.
0: For sure. Yeah, he's going to be an exciting player because he saw a 25 percent target per route run last year and that's that's just very elite numbers that's like you know jay Jettis, devonta smith those kind of guy type of numbers so yeah he's he's an ex- interesting case and i agree with you on that ceiling and yeah his his floor you're saying around terry mclaurin i think it could be a little bit lower than that if things go wrong but um yeah i think where he's going i think that's I, I love it as a fade for you for sure all right where for me at? my last wide receiver is Zay flowers um with him you got to start with what is a flowers right like what is his profile and things that I've seen on video and just reading scouting reports is explosive and dynamic threat to generate big plays and then one thing that was written that I wrote verb verbatim from one scouting services He's pretty good at all three levels of passing game, creating separation. So you got somebody that's pretty good at creating separation at all three levels and an explosive playmaker. I'm intrigued. Where is he going? ADP 47 at the wide receiver position. Um, 115 overall. That's a 10th round pick. I mean, for me, I'm all in on that. Like when you have an offense that's expected to be more dynamic and better um sure you have some veteran guys if you will in Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman but again those are two guys that have been through injuries are coming back from injuries and truthfully it's one of those situations where the pecking order at least in my opinion is very much wide open like it's kind of up for grabs on who can emerge here and that's kind of a similar situation again in my opinion that the jets were in last year with garrett wilson and he ended up coming out that emerging and has success with flacco wilson mike white and the ghost of christmas past so it's just one of those things where i'm getting zay flowers at a wide receiver for price with a with a quarterback that can throw that thing and uh, offense that's supposed to be better than what it was previously supposed to be more open if you will it's one of those situations that I'm willing to invest in, and I think he's one of those players that late in the season could legitimately win you their league if he emerges as the one, and I'm banking on it. And when I say yeah, the one, I mean the wide receiver.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah, there's nothing I disagree with um, there, you know. And you, you know, you you mentioned that you know Rashad Bateman has had injury issues and he's still kind of maybe dealing with injury issues. He's missed a couple, a few days of practice in a row. Um, Unbeknownst to me, when we did a draft the other day, I took Mark, Mark Andrews kind of high. I didn't realize he had been out of practice for like four or five weeks and they're not oh. disclosing what the injury, I mean, not four or five weeks, four or five days. Um, So he, he's already a little banged up. And then, you know, we, we know Odell's history. Um, So yeah, there's, there's avenues for him, you know, given given his surroundings, then there's, um, you know, as far as like competition for targets, there's avenues for him. And as far as what is expected, you know, and predicted for that offense, then there's avenues for him for how good his quarterback is. So like, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of signs that say, you know, green light this guy, especially at a 10th round price. So so yeah, that's that. That's absolutely um, th- that. That's just yeah. I I got no qualms with that whatsoever.
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, let's go to the quarterback. I'll lead off first with this one, and I know I'll be quick. It's going to be Geno Smith, and I'm not saying that that you aren't quick. I'm just saying I know I'll be quick. Uh, <laughs> Geno Smith, ADP, uh, quarterback, fifteen overall, one twelve. You already know. 10th round pick. Uh, last season, comeback player of the year. QB5 in the fantasy streets. 30 touchdowns and gave you 366 on the ground with the touchdown, right? So, for some reason, that's worth him 10 spots later. That I don't get, especially when you have an offseason when you add a dynamic weapon like Jackson Smith and Jigba and you even add a pass-catching Nice running back in Zach Charbonnet. I'm in QB 15. If you're doing late round QB, Hey stack them up, hit the 10th round, get you some Gino gang gang.
1: Yeah, yeah I've I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that, man. Um, You know, and you mentioned the, the, the investment that they, the, the two big investments that they made in the offense were kind of shaded towards the passing game side. Like as far, um, as far as weapons go, like, yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I'm with that A QB 15. Wow. That's the disrespect. Um, And in a, in a similar bucket, you know, I'm, my guy is Daniel Jones and for anybody who's been listening to this pod for a while, like you already know how, how I feel about the man, uh, The man, Daniel D. Dimes, Um, you know, he's coming off the board as quarterback 13 after having finished uh, quarterbacks last year. I want to say I forgot to write that down. And he's over. Yeah. And he's overall the 108th player off the board, which is right at the end of the ninth, early 10th round. So, you know, the investment there is not that huge. Go ahead and get your skill players like all all stacked up um and then come back and get somebody like daniel jones who has the potential to break into the top five quarterback realm you know that's that's how you that's kind of how you press your luck and if things go right you just have a roster that's that's unbeatable um and so like why do I think he he can get back there? Well there's the rushing uh, the, there's a rushing upside which he displayed last year. I believe he scored seven rushing touchdowns. I don't expect him to necessarily do that again, but it's not outside it's not outside the realm of possibility. They upgraded um, they upgraded his weapons, um, particularly bringing in uh, Jalen Hyatt, bringing in uh, Darren Waller, um, the boy Wandale Robinson just got pulled off of um, the pup list and could potentially be ready to go by week 1 um and even if he's not necessarily ready to go week 1 he's certainly trending in the right direction to be able to come back on the field um early in the season got another year under his belt in the dayball office and dayball I you know at this moment I have him as in one of my sharp coaches and we saw what dayball did with uh with with Josh Allen you know maybe Daniel Jones takes the next step this year as far as being a more effective passer because there's a lot of, I believe he only threw like 15 passing touchdowns last year. So there's a lot of room for growth there. And if that gamble happens to hit your roster will love you for it. And it's not costing you much anyway, you know, you could go, you, you could, you know, especially in one quarterback leagues, hell, you just go hit the wave wire and get somebody else, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I've, Daniel Jones is is my guy. Like he fits that, he fits that archetype. Like the right guy at the right price. Um, so yeah, that that that's my quarterback fave for the year.
0: The right guy, at the right price, kind of reminded me of like an Academy commercial. Shout out to Academy. That did.
1: <laughs> that did cross my mind. That <laughs> did cross my mind.
0: All right, I'll hop in here with the tight end that I have, and that's going to be Tyler Higby. Uh, Last season, he was the tight end six, and he saw 108 targets, which were the fourth most among tight ends. My thing with him is that he has six top 10 um, tight end performances, so that's pretty good for a guy that wasn't on most draft boards last year. He's tight end 14 coming into this year, 137 overall. Here are his finishes with Matthew Stafford last year in the nine games that Matt Stafford played. 15, 14, I'm sorry, 15, 5, 14, 4, 8, 51, that's not good. 33 is definitely not good. 56 isn't good. And then tight end 10. So nine games, six of those performances, tight end 15 or better. To me, I expect more of that. I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of improvement um, in the pass catching room for this team. So I still expect him to garner a lot of targets. And then... He has touchdown upside. Last season in the red zone, he saw 15 targets, and if my math is correct, doing it quickly here, that's tied for the seventh most among tight ends. So it looks like you'll have some touchdown upside with him. And I just like that part that he's going as a tight end 14. I think legitimately he can finish. He can finish again as a tight end six this year, just based on the sheer sheer volume. Goodness, words are hard. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, and his, his prospects have to be looking up because, you know, they lost Matt Stafford pretty, you know, like around halfway through the season. Their offensive line got banged to hell. And so, you know, um, Higby was having to block a whole lot more and not getting out into as yeah. many routes as I'm sure they would have liked. So, you know, he can even improve upon those 108 targets, which is a, a damn fine number of targets for a tight end. So, yeah, I, I, I like that choice. Um, and I've, I've taken a lot of him in both best ball and, um, in several seasonal leagues. So yeah. Um, long may he reign. Um, <laughs> Who you got a tight end for tight end. I have Darren Waller. Right. And I know I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not unearthed. I'm, I'm not splitting the atom here. You know, I'm not doing any kind of hard work or heavy lifting here. Um, you know, he's come off the board as a tight end for overall pick 57. So, you know, you're having to take him basically at the back of the um, the back of the fourth round is at the back of the fifth round there. So it's a um, it's a pretty it's a pretty heavy investment, you know, to 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 get Darren Waller on your team. But, mm-hmm. you know, he very much has he you know, he very much should be the target leader on that team, especially with Wondell. Like, um, you know, if Wondell gets off to a slow start and is not able to take on a full a full workload, you know, for the first however many weeks of the season. We've seen this in preseason that Waller still has his dynamic athletic ability. Um, I think, again, like I said earlier, I think this Giants offense is set to step, take a step forward. And I think that if Waller is able to play a full complement of games, and that's a big if, because his last two seasons have been very, very injury-riddled, but if he's able to play a full complement of games, I think he has all the potential in the world to finish as the tight end too mm-hmm. um, th- th- this year. And so, um, you know, he's you you have to invest you know more or less a premium uh, a, a premium pick into him, but I i th- i think it's worth it i for for me I've, i i think it's worth it i'm i do like to invest in premium tight ends you know that's kind of how i how i roll um and so he's his price earlier in the offseason was a lot better but even still i think I, I i think his price is right right now you know i don't think tj hawkinson should be going ahead of him at the moment especially with uh, this injury situation that hawkinson currently finds himself in if it is indeed an injury situation. I know there's speculation that he could be holding in for uh for a contract. He's in the last year's contract. But still, um I think that I think that Darren Waller is worth is worth the price and I'm willing to um to mess around and find out um as far as <laughs> him getting injured and, you know, having you throw up your hands and say, oh man, this guy's doing his same old stuff again. But but yeah. The way thing the way his prospects look right now, I like he, I like his chances to finish as the tight end too. And to get that at pick 57 versus having to take Mark Andrews with what like anywhere between picks 22 and 26. I think I'd I'd rather go the Darren Waller route if I am indeed going to invest in a premium tight end.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah, the thing. The thing with Darren Waller, like, I loved I loved it early on in best ball. Like, he was going around like a thrown pick. So I had a couple rosters where I definitely was scooping up that value. But it's kind of gone up here a little bit. But, yeah, I, I do like that call with Waller, especially um, as it pertains to, like, Hawkinson. Yeah, I'd rather just wait and get Waller um, around later, if you will. So good call on the faves. Let's get to what some would say the negative part and get into our fades. Let's uh, start with running back. I'll hop in first on this one again. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. Now, look, don't be too hard on me here. I did wax poetic about this man uh, when we did the division preview. I bought out the stat of 50 of his 228 rushes were 10 yards or more, which was like 20 well, more than 20% of his rushes, which is just a damn good stat. But for me, it's one of those things at running back 17, the 45th player overall, shout outs to comeback Michael Jordan. It's just one of those things where he has a big play chops to pay off this ADP, but it also can be an ADP where I mean, he finishes as a lower tier running back two, running back three, because he is sharing this field with Zach Charbonnet. And again, we did mention him. I mean, the increase of the talent there with getting JSN, Jack, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I just think it's one of those things where there's better, there's better costs or better players to get at different costs. Like I mentioned about Cam Akers or even if you felt like doing Antonio Gibson as the RB 2 like, I like the prospects of running with that rather than getting Walker here in the middle of the fourth round. Um, What's your thoughts on that? And then get into your running back pick.
1: Yeah. I've, I've been very light on, on Kenneth Walker and and, in my drafting so far. And it's, it's right in that reason, like he's right in that area, you know, I could get Kenneth Walker or you know he's going right along where Christian Watson is going you know like in the in, in the fourth round that's a no brainer to me I'm smashing the the button on Christian Watson like every yeah. every time you know um Kenneth Walker's passing game profile you know from college and last year is not the best he's a boom bust runner um when he booms he booms though like I'm and like this is not you know, again, this is all couched in the context of um of the price you have to pay, right? And right. so at the price you have to pay for him and you pair that up with what his profile is. Um he's not particularly efficient in short yardage type of stuff either. Um, and there's real room for Charbonnet to come in there and eat into his workload. You know, it was it took Rashad Penny going down last year to up uh Kenneth Walker's workload. And so Seattle went out and got a guy who can, you know, Charbonnet's kind of been profiled as one of those guys that he's, he's pretty good at everything, but he's not great at anything in in particular. And, you know, he can get in there and eat into Kenneth Walker's work. So, so yeah, at a, at a fourth round, at a fourth round price and like what Kenneth Walker has done so far, I'm not feeling it now. Maybe if he was going like in the sixth, seventh round. Okay. I, I feel that a little more, but you know, mm-hmm. to get him in the middle of the fourth round—that's yeah, that's that—that's been a fade for me. And you know, it's going to be one of those situations where if Kenneth Walker beats me, like from the best ball streets, and and in and in redraft, then you know that's just something I'm going to have to live with. Get back in the lab and get better next year. <laughs> um, for sure, for yeah.
0: sure. So, right, from what, first what play, running back you got? My bad.
1: Yeah, so my my first dude is Najee Harris. Um he's coming off the board as the RB 14 and overall um overall 41st player off the board. And for me, it really comes down to the ascension of Jalen Warren and Najee's price, right? Like I'm just not excited about picking him up in the fourth round when, you know, last year, you could chalk it up to, you could chalk it up to that injury. Um, you know, he, he played a good bit of the year, if not all of the year with a, um, with a steel plate in his boot. And I could only imagine how uncomfortable that, that wasn't and what and how that may have blunted his athleticism. But Jalen Warren showed some real good things to end last year. And in the preseason, Jalen Warren has been damn electric. Um, it could be that Jalen Warren is actually better than him. We could have a Zeke Tony Pollard type of thing going on um, with these, w- with these two guys. And there's just so many avenues to, that for Jalen Warren to kind of butt his way into Najee's usage um, that getting Najee in the fourth round, you know, kind of in the early-ish mid f- fourth round, again, I'd rather have Christian Watson or, 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 you know, one of those, one of those high end kind of ascending wide receivers. I, I, you know, than to put that draft capital into, in, into Najee. Now I don't expect Najee to lose his job or anything like that, but, you know, especially in a redraft situation, you know, and outside of a Jalen Warren injury, like, you know, when am I going to, when am I going to feel good starting him? You know, like, What's gonna, what's his path? What's his path to an RB one finish? Because you know he's coming off as white as running back fourteen. I think his path to a running back one finish would see him finish as like the running back twelve, the running back eleven, or something like that. Like I don't see him, I, I don't see him getting into the mid RB ones or something like that, or into the lower mid RB ones. So I feel like you're drafting him like right at where he's, you know, probably gonna finish. And that just doesn't feel
0: good in the fourth round. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. I understand that. Like at RB 14 and, you know, the emergence of Jalen Warren, yeah, that kind of feels like his ceiling of where he'll be at, you know, granted, you know, unless Jalen Warren was to get hurt or something of that nature. But Najee is going to be the leading running back in this backfield, no doubt about it. But I'm 100% with you. Like it's one of those things I'd rather take that shot like you said on Christian Watson from an upside play than, you know, looking at Najee and go down and grab one of those other running backs that we discussed on the fave side.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. You could put your chip somewhere else and then go and pick up a Damian Pierce or Antonio Gibson or whatever like guys that we mentioned earlier or Cam Makers.
0: For sure. Yeah. And that that uh, I said was I was looking at my next running back, but my notes weren't pulling up and they pulled up just in time. you the real MVP for making an additional note on your <laughs> end. But my other running back is DeAndre Swift is ADP is running back. Twenty eight looks like it's overall 69th player. Nice. That's a six round pick. Feel like somebody else was 69 up there, but maybe it was another stat. End of the day, here's the thing with it. Like, I'm seeing reports out of the Philly camp that you know Kenneth Gainwell is having a strong camp. He's kind of playing like a feature back, if you will. And the reports have kind of been that Swift is projecting as kind of like Gainwell last year, being a pass catching back and kind of being in a two-minute role, if you will. And you know, that's pretty much what i can go on right i know i know what deandre swift is we've seen his talent in detroit and so if he's projecting as that like just the fact that he's in a philadelphia offense he could very well from a production standpoint like whether it's touchdowns or busting off a couple of big runs or passing plays be a running back twenty-eight. But I just think it's just going to be an ugly route to get there. Like, it may be weeks where he could be an RB1, and it could be a week where he's a RB5. And to me, that's not something I'm trying to take in the sixth round. And also, to that, like, Philly last year was one of those backfields that did not have a lot of targets at the running back position, as they only had 61 um, targets to the running back position. Uh, word to uh, Roger Maris. but it's just one of those things where, yeah, I I'm down to invest in the Philly offense, but it ain't gonna be DeAndre Swift for your boy.
1: Yeah, not at not at that price. That, that's exactly right because you got to expect from all the stuff we're hearing. Um, Gainwell is gonna mix in significantly. Um, they. Rashad Penny is a good running back. We've talked about this from time to time. Like he's going to mix in. It's just, yeah, it's just like kind of what is the path without one of those guys going down or without, you know, it's for a six round pick. Yeah, you 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 nailed it. It's just it's hard to give up on stuff that's around. It's around him there. So, yeah, I'm fully I'm, I'm fully on board with that um for, for, for DeAndre Swift, you know, wait, wait a few more rounds and go get Rashad Penny or go get uh Ken Gainwell and get a piece of that that um get a piece of that running back room at a much cheaper price. That's the that's the logic there for me. Um so my next guy is my next running back is Miles Sanders. Um he Ooh, is currently okay. coming off the board. Yeah yeah this this might be a little spicy if it, it, it might not. I feel I feel he's been a little bit polarizing from, from all the stuff that I hear, but he's RB21, overall the 70th pick off the board. So he's a late sixth round pick. Um, and really, for me, it's for, you know, you could make a similar argument for him, maybe that you could, or um, like that's similarly that we made for Gibson, Cook, Pierce you know, the guys the guys that that we liked, Cam Akers, because it's it's kind of around in the same in the same type of area, you know. James Cook goes three picks after him, mm-hmm. but I still rather have James Cook, especially if we're looking at a PPR. Damian Pierce goes ten picks um goes ten picks ahead of him. But I'd rather have Damian Pierce because because lack of lack of backfield competition and Damian Pierce has a path to carve out the carve out a good bit of the receiving work there. We haven't seen Miles Sanders garner a significant amount of receiving work since he was a rookie. True. You know, and we and you know, to kind of put that faith that he's going to do that here in this off in this offense, when they already have, um, they already have Blackshear, they already have Chuba Hubbard, um, who are, who, who are good in the passing game. Then, you know, you you layer on to the fact you, – you layer on the fact that, you know, what do we reasonably expect the ceiling of this offense to be? You know, how many chances is he reasonably going to get to thump in, you know, goal line touchdowns and, and whatnot? Like, at RB21, I feel like that's, that's kind of fine. I could definitely see him – Getting there. The case for him, like significantly beating that, though, you know, that, that the upside that seems a little bit narrower of a path to me. You know, Bryce Young's going to need to ball out. That offense is going to need to, that offense is going to need to reach some sort of ceiling. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're receiving core of kind of C minus to, B, B plus guys is going to have to, is going to have to, you know, really outperform themselves. You know, I just don't really, I just don't really see a bull case path, a, a realistic bull case path for him. And I'd rather either make sure I've taken a guy or two before him or just kind of punt and wait to take um, some, some guys with some, with like better paths to higher end upside, you know, a little bit later than him. He just kind of falls into that zone where there's some receivers, maybe some tight ends. Maybe I'm looking at uh maybe I'm looking at a quarterback or something there. That I there's almost always somebody else around him that I'd rather be taking.
0: Understood. Yeah, that's that's the thing with Sanders purely for me. It's just where he's being drafted at. There's just too many other guys that I have interest in. Let's go to the wide receivers, man. I'll I'll hand it off to you. Who you got? Sure. All
1: right. My first wide receiver. Ooh, okay. This might be a little spicy. I'm going with Calvin Ridley as my first fade wide receiver. And this is shame. Not-
0: Shame. <laughs> shame. <laughs> I get it. I get I
1: get all the pushback. I get all the pushback on him because you know, the last full season that he played, this man was the wide receiver four. So like he has actually put down quality fantasy production like in the books. Like it's on this man has a resume it's just for me, you know, he's coming off the board. He's wide receiver 14, the overall number 23 pick. So you're having to take him late second, early third. For a guy who hasn't played football, and we could go ahead and just say a couple of years, coming into an offense with target competition from um, – excuse, I'm drawing to blank. Oh, with target competition from – Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, none of these guys who I'm high on, but um, you know, it's not just like he's coming in there to he's it's not like he's coming in there with a bunch of a bunch of nobodies, and then whatever they're able to get out of Tank Bigsby and um and Travis Etienne in the passing game. So you you have that, and then it's just like So I don't, I don't see a path for him to significantly beat that ADP, you know. And especially when, where you're taking him, you can start really considering a, a premium onesie position. You know, like let's say he's in your draft and he falls to, um, he falls to the top half of the third round. Do I want him or do I want Lamar? Do I want him or do I want um, do I want Jalen Hurts? You know, do I want him or do I want um, do I want Mark Andrews? You know, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of built on spe- speculation that he's going to get back to the level that he was at to make this pick pay off. Do I think it's possible for him to do it? Yeah, I do. Because, again, I mentioned Calvin Calvin Ridley was damn good. He was damn good the last time we saw him play a full season. And it's just with what's around him in this company, you know, I could probably just – you could probably add this on to every guy I talk about in this Fade situation with given the guys that are going around him, I feel a whole lot more sure about them, and I think that I could maybe make up a good amount if not all of its production in a later round. So you know I it's just I'm not sure enough in this guy to invest in him as my second round as my second round pick.
0: Shame. Shame. No, nah, I'm, I'm playing. I, uh, where did you have his 80? Where's his ADP at again from what you saw?
1: Um overall number 23. And the okay. 14th wide receiver Ooh. overall, so he's going. He's he's like the one of the yeah. basically Devontae T. Higgins um, area. Devontae T. Higgins going before like DK and, and and whatnot. So he's he's around that area.
0: Okay, so yeah, they're they're pretty much having him in the area where Christian Kirk finished last year, which. You know, that's – I think that's fair, but I 100% understand the points you're coming from because Christian Kirk was like a – I think a lower tier one, upper tier two. So, yeah, they're basically projecting, I guess, what what Kirk did to Ridley. Yeah, like I said, I think that's fair, right. but I, I see your points
1: 100%. So I'll go a few before him and a few after. Derrick Henry, Patrick Mahomes – Devonte Smith, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Hurts, Josh Jacobs, T. Higgins, Josh Allen, Mark Andrews, DK. If I can get him after DK in that situation, or maybe, you know, around DK, yeah, that's fine. But like there's some there's some yeah, serious there's some like league winners around there. And maybe Devonte, maybe Devontae is a little is a little high there. Um maybe they're both a little high. And they both need to be brought down a little bit. But um there are some real potential league winners right there and I just I just haven't been passing up on those guys to 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 basically invest in having faith in Calvin Ridley and where he's going to slot into to this offense.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think again, I think that's fair. I think that's fair for sure. The first running back or running back, wow, first wide receiver I'll go with is Maybe seeming kind of low hanging fruit, but I'll go with Kadarius Tony, um, wide receiver 46, 111 overall, 10th round pick, injured again in training camp. There's been speculation he could return back for practices, um, this week. Hasn't officially come back as of recording this pod, from what I've seen it's just one of those things where the upside we we know what it could be with Kadarius tony he could be a league winning guy at that price but you know with the number of injuries he's dealt with um patrick mahomes willingness to spread the ball around to his wide receivers um, and not our pass catchers not named travis kelsey i'd rather look at zay flowers quinton johnson or maybe even his teammate sky moore who's drafted further down than Tony um, as options. The other thing with where he's going, he's just in that arena where it's just good to be investing in later round QBs if you are in that, in those areas. You know, you got Anthony Richardson there. You got uh, Gino, who we talked about. We got Daniel Jones, who you talked about as well. So a lot of it has to do with what else is there, and I'd rather invest in that than actual Darius Tony himself. And I hate to say that, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I don't think anybody I don't think anybody in their right mind should be pushing back against anybody having trepidation about drafting Kadarius Tony. Um, if I had to say anything it would be I think I'd be more inclined to draft him in a redraft situation where you know, you can always get out of it and get on the waiver wire and pick somebody else up as opposed to, you know, in best ball where, you know, this guy carries an above average risk of just being a dead spot on your roster. And, you know, you, you there's nothing you could do about it. And well, like in an underdog baseball ball sense anyway. And so, you know, at the price you mentioned that he's going at and it's just, yeah, no, there's there's other stuff that I want to. Do there now, if he's going in the area of say like where Isaiah Hodgins and whatnot is going, okay, fine. Um, but like he's he's still too expensive with where he's going for me in baseball to um, to potentially have like a tenth, eleventh round dead spot on my roster.
0: For sure, for sure. Let's get into the wide rec- well, another wide receiver. Um, you go ahead, and lead off with this one.
1: Sure. So for my second wide receiver fade, I have DeAndre Hopkins. He is currently coming off the board as wide receiver 24 and overall pick 46. So for me, this is all just kind of, this is all just kind of an upside play slash of fading the Titans offense this year. Like they are, they're going to, you know, by, by all um, by all estimations they're going to have like a bottom 3 to bottom 5 offensive line this year. Um their schedule it's not bad but it's not great. There's just such I think a low ceiling on this offense. Now, could they mess around and make the playoffs? Yeah, because, you know, I Mike Vrabel is, you know, as we said time and again, he's a magician. You know, he is he is Merlin of the rock fight wins. Um <laughs> they could they could pull it out that way, but do I see do I see them being some high flying offense? No. Do I see DeAndre? Do I see D Hop like significantly beating this ADP? Again, overall pick 46. Are you having to pick in bottom of the bottom of the fourth round? It's it just doesn't. It, it it doesn't excite me. I I think he's still good. You know, I wish he had landed in KC or I wish he had landed in Buffalo um, because obviously the ceilings on those offenses are so much higher. But it's a little too risky for me for my fourth overall pick to in to invest in a thirty something plus wide receiver on on a on a heavily run first. Offense that just really has very little competitive advantages over over their um, over the teams they're going to face week in and week out. It's just like, what is the path there? So yeah, to have that be my fourth player on my team, it's no it's, it's no shade to D Hop. You know, a couple rounds later, yeah, man, count me in. But like as my fourth guy that I'm putting on my team, just no. No, not not, not for me. Not for me. No, I, I just don't see the upside.
0: I got you. Yeah, you laid it out pretty well there with their run-centric type of offense, if you will. Um, a lot of people may say, well, you know, A.J. Brown was a guy here in that offense that, that, you know, has some success as a wide receiver one for the team. But, yeah, I think with DeAndre's age and whatnot, like, I'm not expecting him to be in a wide receiver one type of role as far as fantasy finishes. And that's not where he's being drafted at, but it's one of those situations where I think he can definitely pay off his ADP. But as you mentioned, I don't like the upside as much as other guys that are going around him are even later like Deontay Johnson, for example. And speaking of Deontay Johnson, We'll get into my other wide receiver pick. It's actually George Pickens, his wide receiver mate in the uh, Pittsburgh offense. He's going as wide receiver 34, the 81st pick overall. So that's a seventh round pick. The good with George Pickens. Um, Last year, he had 13 big plays, which are plays of 25 yards or more that tied him for six Um, in the league receiving wise and also saw a 14.5 average depth of target which is pretty solid but the other wide receiver metrics weren't really too kind 15% target share 15% target per route run 1.44 yards per route run and an interesting note that was made by Steve Smith the wide receiver Steve Smith was that the Steelers held Pickens back last year because of poor practice habits and there's been some I guess with Allen Robinson coming to the team um, supposedly George Pickens has been kind of taking up from him and whatnot and you know improving upon those practice habits which is a good thing to hear my thing is this like you know the 15 percent target share like that still kind of scares me for a guy that's coming in as a wide receiver three um could that improve it very much could and could he big play himself to this adp absolutely but it's one of those things sure he has that big play upside but outside of that like what else are we going to get here because here go the staff for your ass again shout outs to jasmine L. Watkins. In the red zone, George Pickens saw seven targets. He had two catches for two touchdowns. Two catches for two touchdowns, that's pretty damn efficient. That's great. That's good, right? Would you agree? Two for two? 100%? Yeah. 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 Good. yeah. Here's the other thing. Number one, he has a teammate in Deontay Johnson. We talked about him receiving 140-plus targets last season in the red zone Deontay Johnson saw 16 targets has seven catches of course as you know he didn't score any touchdowns they also have a guy by the name of Pat Firemuth on that team he had 12 targets in the red zone six catches for two touchdowns so this man was third in the pecking order in the red zone now look he has the profile the body to be a jump ball catch guy in the red zone but what I've seen so far is Deontay Johnson, Pat fryer move being the priorities in the red zone. And that's not to say that Pickens can't dive into there, but I'm just going with what I've seen. I'm not interested in getting that man as a wide receiver three when three spots up, according to ADP from Fantasy Pros, uh, and that's three overall spots, you can look at Deontay Johnson. You also have Jahan Dotson, who goes after him, you also have Gabe Davis that goes after him, and not that I prefer Gabe Davis over George Pickens, but if you can get a similar type of guy later on, in what's going to be a better offense, you got to consider that. So yeah. that's just where I'm at on George Pickens. It's more so the ADP, it's not him as a player.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that, and he's not, you know, um. Matt Harmon with Reception Perception didn't have, you know, he didn't have great grades for George Pickens. He didn't have terrible grades for George Pickens. It was just, and, you know, and Dwayne McFarlane talks about this too. He just didn't profile that great. Like he wasn't, you know, as compared to somebody like Christian Watson, let's say, like he wasn't in that first year, he wasn't profiling as a guy who set up to break out. Can he do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like you talked about, you know, the dude is, you know, it's a monster. See, he's a monster. It seems like you put the ball near him, he's got, you know, as good a chance of anybody of coming down with it. You know, more so than the D B who's gonna be who's gonna be lined up with him. So um, you know, if there's it's not like like the opportunity is, isn't foreclosed on him to to make a leap. It's just the numbers aren't there, um, as far as you know his peripherals, and then the target competition, like you mentioned, and th- he also has legit target competition from the backs in that offense because both both Najee and Jalen Warren are pretty damn decent in the pass game. So, um, so yeah, I, I I certainly feel that I certainly feel you know hesitancy around taking him as as your wide receiver three.
0: For sure, for sure. We got quarterback and tight end left. Let's go with quarterback, and I'll hop in first here. I'm going to go with Rain Dakota Scott. Not sure if you're aware that's his name, but that is that man's legal government name. It's not Prescott? ADP. Yeah, Dak Prescott. is Rain Dakota. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Oh wow. And it's it's R A Y N E Rain. Wow. All right. (laughs) The face you made. I never knew. (laughs) But to the content, yeah. ADP, he's quarterback 10, the 84th player overall. So that projects towards the end of a seventh round, maybe early eighth round pick. Everything to do with him being a fave for me has to do with the price than him as an actual talent um i think if he's more efficient than what he was last year from the interception scenario which i per you know perfectly expect to happen he has an upside to be like a qb seven six maybe if the touchdowns are there but the thing with dak is just it's just purely the cost man we've talked about some of the guys that have been there other players such as jsn Um, Antonio Gibson, Jahan Dotson, Jordan Addison. If you want to get into the tight end realm, David Njoku's there. We talked about Gabe Davis being around there. I mean, you can even take that shot on Cortland Sutton down there. These are all kind of guys I'd rather take a shot on than getting a quarterback, you know, at the end of the seventh or eighth round, especially considering when you can get Tua around later, you can get Aaron Rodgers around and a half later. And then almost two rounds up to two and a half rounds later, you got Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones, and Geno Smith. To me, all or most of those guys have similar or more upside than Dak. So it's just one of those things I'd rather dip into that pool than prioritizing Dak right here in the end of the seventh round.
1: Yeah, and I'm just going to dovetail on that with you. Because for the same reason, that's why I have Trevor Lawrence as my um, as, as my fake candidate quarterback. Ooh, okay, he's coming off the board as the QB eight, and his overall overall. The, and it's not so much like him being ranked as the QB eight because that that seems more or less fair, but he's coming off the board overall pick number sixty three. Mm. So that is that is top of the sixth bottom of the fifth round where you got to take him. If I'm taking a quarterback in the bottom fifth, early sixth, I need to see a path to that dude finishing as the QB one. He don't have to finish as the QB one, but I'm going to need a path to get off okay. a position player. Okay. I don't, I don't see that with, with Trevor, like, like what, I'm trying to imagine like what he's going to have to do, you know, outside of injuries to the top guys, what he's going to have to do to outpace Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar, and Jalen, and I just, I just don't see it. And so, I'm not giving up a 6 round pick for him. I think he can have a pretty lights out season. Sure. I, I, I really think he could have a pretty lights out season, but for whatever path that I see him being able to finish that, I, I see the same for daniel jones i see the same for gino i see um you know maybe a little bit harder for anthony Richardson, just depending on you know what his season looks like he's a bit of a he's a bit of a mixed bag but he still don't cost as much um, Right. you know like so i'd rather stack up my position i'd rather like pass on trevor spe- um stack up my position players and then and then go pull from the gino Jones, Richardson, um, Bucket—you know, like he could very well finish. You know, around the same area as, like, to me, I don't see it out of balance. Him finishing, you know, like around Cousins, Rogers, like guys who you're not expecting to give you much in the way of in the way of rushing. You know, I I, I see that like kind of as a floor. I expect him to finish ahead of those guys, but I do see that as a floor. I can see those guys. You know, if if they happen to go off, I can see those guys finishing where he's where Trevor is slated to finish. So, you know, to give up a six round pick um, for what I see is Trevor's like ultimate upside. You know, it's it's kind of the same case you would make it for Dak. I put them in that same in that same kind of bubble. And I would just rather wait and pick up, um, you know, like I said, stack up my position players and then go get a later round quarterback.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, um, with Trevor Lawrence on that. I expect him to have a good season. He had 25 touchdowns last season. And to your point, for him to be a pad to QB1, like I mean, that man's going to have to throw with his profile like 35 to 40 touchdowns. And I mean, he has the playmakers and pass catchers to do that. But what's the percentage odds that he does that to me? is very is very slim. So I like the call yeah. there. And then let's end on the tight end note. Um I'll I'll pass it to you. Go with your tight end option. Okay.
1: So tight end was kind of hard for me because I feel like tight ends are more or less efficiently priced and whatnot. Um but it had to pick somebody. So I went with Evan Ingram. He's currently at tight end eight and ninety the ninety-sixth player overall, which puts him what, like in the eighth round? Yeah, which puts him like at the bottom of the eighth round, top of the ninth. And for him more so, and, and I said this about most of these players, but for him more so than anything, it's about it's about cost and then profile because he just right. had Calvin Ridley added to his offense. And mm-hmm. last year, you know, that was kind of the first, that was kind of the first time we saw Evan Ingram kind of go off like that. Um, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, since like his rookie year.
0: Yeah. that's um, just a rookie year. Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, you know, and he just got added to a target magnet. He just got a target. You know, I feel kind of bad. I'm fading three, three Jaguars here, but um, anyway, um, you know, He just got caliber really added. And there's, you know, there's guys behind him that I feel like you could take at better prices. Like you mentioned Higby. I, you know, I, 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 I like waiting on Higby better. Um, and Joku goes a little bit, um, goes a little bit after him. Um, depending on, um, depending on your appetite for sitting on rookies, you got Laporta and Musgrave, um, You got Gerald Everett, you know, who's who who are all like behind him into like some to a significant degree. So, you know, I. I don't feel that I need to that I need to pay an eighth or ninth round price for 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 Evan Ingram, who could be anywhere from the third or fourth. um, Highest target earner. On his team and you know, it's not like he has a whole lot of history of being like that dude. Because I know, you know, a lot of people remember the way he finished last year. He was strong during like the fantasy playoffs. And then if you played some of those best ball fantasy contests that like Underdog was running, like, you know, he was he was there. He showed up and showed out during those times. But, you know, he's just for the price you're paying now and then with the target competition that just got added, I don't, I don't feel like I need to pay that price for, for, for that profile when I could just wait um, a few rounds later and get guys that I think have all the potential in the world to finish potentially ahead of them or at
0: least dead even with them. I got you. I got you. And then, yeah, even one last note with Ingram, like he was one of those guys. He wasn't like a big touchdown threat in the in the red zone like they weren't looking his way a whole a whole lot so it's like and I think I talked about this in a division pie where like okay so he's not getting a lot of looks there he has big playability um it just kind of falls into that similar discussion I had with George Pickens along with on his actual team as you mentioned like you got to upgrade a pass catcher in Calvin Ridley zay jones ain't nothing to snooze at christian kirk is still there and you got these stable of running backs it's like yeah i 100 get at his price no thanks just dip down you know to well maybe i think it's three or four rounds later and get tyler higby yeah my tight end to end with the phase section i hate to say this name and i feel like if i do say it this man may attack me and beat me up george kittle Amazing talent. Amazing talent. And I'm sorry to do the Georges like this with Pickens and now Kittle. But the man was tight in four. Overall, he's going as the 48th player. So that's the end of the fourth round, early fifth. Let's map what he did last year. And again, talked about this previously. Tight end three last season. It's pretty dang good. Thing is, though. He had those seven touchdowns with Brock Purdy as it pertained to later in the season. Then that kind of drove a lot of his production. He only saw 86 targets, has 60 receptions. And again, 11 touchdowns on those 60 receptions. That gives you 5.5 um, catches scoring a touchdown. So every 5.5 catches, he scored a touchdown. Some guys that were near him are guys that are tight ends that were near him in finishes. Like Travis Kelsey, it was 9.1 catches per touchdown. Mark Andrews, 14.6. TJ Hawkinson, 14.3. So what George Kittle did was just extremely efficient, just probably an extremely outlier uh, production standpoint of touchdowns as it pertains to his receptions. To me, what he did, that's not necessarily repeatable. And, you know, this offense will have touchdown upside again. I mean, we were turning Debo, Brandon Ayuk is there, Christian McCaffrey's there, Elijah Mitchell's there. So the touchdown upside is here in this offense. But touchdowns, again, are something that can be predicted. Like we can't allot, it's hard to allot touchdowns to players because it's a finicky kind of stat. So for a fourth round pick, or I'm sorry, late fourth, early fifth on price for George Kittle is just too rich for me I'd rather get a guy like Darren Waller who I think he's going around later now who knows his ADP is still skyrocketing as we mentioned or going with Dallas Goddard or even who's like a round or two later uh, TJ Tyler Higbee who's later on in the draft I'd rather take my chances on those guys than taking a chance on George Kittle that early in the draft
1: Yeah, totally, totally feel that. You know, you got to put a lot of draft capital into into Kittle, and the numbers don't look so great for him from a target share point of view when everybody's healthy. You know, and you know, not to mention the fact that Kittle himself, you know, that that Kittle himself does uh, have injury concerns on 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 a yearly basis, and you know, it's not a knock on him. The man just. The man just plays the sport like a bull. And so, you know, he's right. that's that, that that's bound to happen to him. But yeah, you know, an extreme load of of target competition and unsustainable touchdown rate. Um, yeah, I I, I fully feel wanting to want to ease back a little bit off of uh, off of him because like you, you know, the word you used was unsustainable. And yeah, I've, I I I co signed I co signed that that description given uh, given what he did last year. Now, does he have the talent and the chops to throw this back yeah, in absolutely. your face, in my face? Because like I feel the kind of I feel kind of the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's a calculated gamble that you take on that, but I don't think I don't think it's a it's a dumb or unfounded um gamble to take.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think all the guys we mentioned in our phase section have the talent to make us look stupid and things work out their way. But, you know, that's what we're prognosticating right now is that these guys are phased at their respective ADPs. And there you have it, good folks. That is our faves. That is our fates. Before we head out of here, Daryl, I have a question for you. All right. Are all right. you... Are you willing to draft from the news that we have of Jonathan Taylor? Are you no. willing to draft him?
1: No. Not at all. Um no way. Uh okay, you know what? I have Underdogs ADP up right now. Um so not in my top 50. The the words that I've been hearing people talk about are around like Alvin Kamar. And Alvin Kamar is currently around 82. So Alvin Kamar, Rashad White, Quentin Johnson, Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Swift, Cortland Sutton, maybe in that area, you know, a little bit before Pacheco and and all that. But like there's still some guys around here I think I'd rather get my hands on, like get Deshaun Watson in this area. Um, you know, you could you could Gamble on, on on Rashad White, gamble on Quentin Johnston. Um, you know, having a second half breakout, which is you know kind of how you play with rookies. Um, I'll say where I would where I would take him. I would take him around this area. Dow, Dal, maybe Dalvin. No, I take Khalil Herbert. Dalvin Khalil Herbert to Michael Thomas, Evan Ingram. So that's around ninety three to ninety seven ish. I take him maybe there. Um, it's just there is so much uncertainty around this situation. Is he really hurt? Mm-hmm. Are the Colts playing games? You know, is this just genuine pettiness? Like, um, I'm, I do like to kind of take risks, but like, man, I can't. I don't want to risk any of my top ten picks or something like that. Certainly not in redraft in these big best ball competitions. Yeah, yeah, maybe you 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 swallow it and you take that chance because you know like for best ball mania, you're trying to beat six hundred and seventy-seven thousand other rosters. So, you know, you gotta be willing to take a chance um every every now and again. Um and so like yeah, for for that, yeah, maybe. But for 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 redraft, I I just can't see myself wanting to do it.
0: How about you? Nope, I have no interest in it. Doesn't matter the cost unless it's like the last pick of my draft or something. I, I don't have interest in holding on to a guy for four weeks. Um, I did that last year with Jamison Williams. Um, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a more premium position and back, if you will, but yeah, I just have no interest in it. I'm good.
1: Let's see, another another layer to this to consider is um, you know, your league structure, your league roster construction. Like if you guys play in leagues where you have um, IR spots, you know, they are putting him on the pup list, So he should qualify for an IR spot. So, you know, draft him, throw him, throw him on your IR spot and maybe see what shakes. But then it's just like playing that game of chicken of, you know, do you do it too early? Do you do it too late and lose that opportunity to somebody else? So it's, um, it's kind of a feel play by feel and know your league kind of, kind of thing. Um, You know, how much is that pit going to cost you um, relative to how sharp you feel your league mates are. But, um, but yeah, without an IR spot, Ooh, that becomes really hard to stomach and redraft for me.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed for sure. Well, before we head out of here, you have any last notes for the good people? Um,
1: yeah, man, enjoy it. Enjoy this uh enjoy this bit of draft season. Get all your prep done. Um savor the moment, stay sober and take advantage of people who are who are getting drunk during your drafts. Um <laughs> and yeah, just just have fun. J- just have fun with it, man. This is like one of the most fun times of the fantasy season. So like savor it. That's my that, that's my word for the people. Savor these moments.
0: for sure for sure well said my man well hey me and you actually have a draft tonight for our family and friends league a league we've had going for a while a home league um neither of us were champions last year but you know another year to get better and some one of us hopefully win it
1: yes one of us
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm Derek. This is my brother, Daryl. If you want to reach out to us, guys, we're on Twitter at the Brothers FF. That's D A Brothers FF. Again, Derek, Daryl, we're out of here. Have a good one, guys. Peace.